2: Something I talk a lot about with my clients that I see is what are some things that they can do now and the more things that are within their control, like getting better sleep, getting water, drinking plenty of water, exercise. I call it the big five. And you probably heard me talk about it here on the show as well. And we're, we're going to be diving into that even more. And the topic of, or the title of this episode is taking control of your life holistically
3: with Alex Wish.
2: Welcome to the Mental Health Today Show. My name is John Cordray and I'm a licensed therapist and I am the host of this show and I am so happy that you're tuning in you have probably heard me at nauseum talk about my big five. Well, I found somebody that actually has more than five, and we're gonna talk more about that. And so Alex Wish is a leading peak human performance and executive flow coach. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. He has worked with professional and Olympic-bound athletes to develop personalized winning strategies and with top industry leaders to optimize their productivity, sustainability, health, and confidence. In addition, he has helped companies turn ideas into multi-million dollar revenue producing opportunities, along with assisting large corporations to target strategic partnerships and investors. Alex is also a mental health speaker and survivor of nearly a decade of debilitating depression. Alex, welcome to the show.
3: It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Well, I'm really interested in, in talking with you because this is what you do. You are a high peak human performance coach, executive flow coach, and I'm a therapist. And so I talk about a lot of other ways that people can work on their mental health and I call it the big five, but I'm really interested in hearing from you because you, you take it a next level. The next step up. And I'm uh, wanting to hear more about what you do currently. And then, if you could take us to where were you? Like, how did you get involved in all of this?
3: Yeah, no, I'd love to. So, like you said, peak human performance and executive flow coach. And basically, what that means is I help people on a daily level really achieve peak human performance. It can be an athlete that's trying to win a competition. It could be an executive that's going into a board meeting or trying to uh, win over an investor, or it can be someone on a day-to-day basis who wants to perform their best. When we dive into the concept of flow on that executive flow coach side, flow is the mindset where you're fully immersed in a situation or an experience, and your mind has a minimum, minimum cognitive load. And you're basically functioning at your optimal uh, ability and capacity. You're the best version of yourself. And people get into this state. It's common if you're going into a coffee shop, having a one-on-one conversation with someone Then all of a sudden time goes by, or you're doing your favorite hobby or you're going for a run where all of a sudden the activity is over and you're just like, what happened? And this, people experience this far and few. But what I help individuals do is actually experience this on a daily basis. So it's about really being the best version of yourself more often and on a daily basis rather than far and few.
2: Now, I love that being the best version of yourself. And that's something when I, I see clients every day and that's why they're coming to see me. And, but sometimes it's hard for people to know what is the best version of themselves. So what would you say to that?
3: That's a very good question. In the world of mental health, I want to put something out there first. When I say the best version of yourself, it can change. It's not a concrete concept, meaning that the best version of myself today and where I was, let's say five years ago, are going to be very different. So it it evolves with you and it's really dependent on your circumstance and situation. But it's how you can function your optimal when you're taking care of your basic needs. It's really when you're taking care of everything within your own control. When you're dialing it in and having a better understanding of how your body works and functions, that's what we talk about when I say optimal version of yourself.
2: And I like how you mentioned that it really depends and it evolves over time. And some people might think of, well, the best version of myself, it must be perfect. And that's not what you're talking about. You're not talking about being perfect. You're talking about with what you're experiencing now, what you're going through now, how can you live in a way that, that you feel like it's the best that you can do in the moment. So you're not talking about perfectionism, are you?
3: No, it's actually... And the reason I defined that and clarified it is because I was a person that came from a childhood and my high school and college career of perfectionism, which was my greatest downfall. And it, it wasn't until I redefined the concept of best... When it became instead of having the idea of best always being like I have to be better and better, it was really looking at my best is given that situation in that moment in time, and and I work with people who have mental health struggles, and sometimes they understand that their best in that given moment can be very different than their best a month, five months, six months ago, and it's going to be very different than their best six months from now.
2: I like that because it it takes the kind of that expectation or the perceived expectation away. And they just have to really do the best that they can in the moment and not be compare themselves with others, which a lot of people tend to do. They look at someone else and say, well, they have it better than I do. They're a better person than I am. And I'm not that great of a person. In fact, I don't really like myself. And so when people are struggling with their mental health, whether it's anxiety or depression or maybe some other struggle, it's really easy to fall into that trap. I call it a a thinking trap or a cognitive distortion. When some people might call it the imposter syndrome, when you look at someone else and and feel like they're better than you. It's really easy to fall into that. And some of the things that you're talking about is that you help them. You help people that you work with because you have been there yourself. You know what it's like. And Because you are you haven't always been a peak human performance and executive flow coach, right? You've learned a lot of things along the way. You've experienced a lot of things. And in fact, I, part of your bio is that you're a, a survivor and yeah. a, of nearly a decade of debilitating depression. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then how are you applying the things that you're learning to your own
3: life? Sure. No, this, this is a great topic. I want to first just clarify that I have overcome a lot of the challenges of major depression, which means that I still deal with depression. I am not completely rid of depression, but I am in the driver's seat. Depression does not dictate my day, It does not dictate my relationships, my job, what I do on my athletic goals. I'm in the driver's seat. So that's what I've really learned to understand and have success with. And, and I am a lot better than I was several years ago, meaning symptomized what I deal with. But I still have mornings I wake up and I, I don't want to get out of bed. I hit my challenges. I have my ups and my downs. But I've managed to develop a lot of different skills and a lot of different holistic ways that really connect my life with my values and morals and purpose.
2: Yeah, I like that. A lot. You're still learning. It's a learning process. And I like how you mentioned you're in the driver's seat. And the anxiety is still there, but the anxiety is not managing you. You are managing or I'm sorry, your depression's not managing you, but you're you are managing your depression. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Well, so I'm I'm really interested cuz we talked a little bit ago and you mentioned the nine pillars that you really kind of focus on and, and really talk about, can you kind of walk us through what those nine pillars are?
3: Sure. To, to jump into these nine pillars, let me just give you a little bit, a little deeper backstory overview of really how I decided or how I created these nine pillars. And what, what happened to me is, like I mentioned earlier, I, I was a perfectionist I got into, well, I, I dealt with dyslexia and some learning processing problems, and I learned to overcome them through some unique problem-solving capabilities, and I did go to a really good school system growing up. I, I got into an Ivy League school I, I as a freshman. Going to my sophomore year, I had a 4.0 GPA, was really determined to go in the medical direction, and sacrificed a lot, sacrificed way too much, and hit burnout. Sophomore year, hit complete burnout going into the winter. And for the first time in my life, I really, this depression, it wasn't just a low mood. It was having thoughts of not wanting to live. And that was the first time it's ever happened to me. A big passion of mine is sailboat racing. I've competed boats internationally since the age of seven. And I used to be one of the top three sailors in the U.S. when I was 18. And I I was trying to sail nationals in college. And I was out there, and the one thing that usually brought me the most joy in life, like I was thinking about, I'd rather not be alive. It was very scary, so I left, went home, and there was eight years of my life that I went in and out of the hospital. put myself I Put myself in the hospital multiple times. I just, I really just didn't know what to do, especially with a lot of intrusive, really negative thoughts, and went through a lot of treatments, medications, everywhere from. I went to ECT, TMS, the ketamine infusions, all sorts of medications, residential programs. And what, what happened through this experience is I really just took away my own control, my own power in my situation. I, I had this belief that I saw myself as once a very high functioning person, and, and I was. And I saw like something all of a sudden changed. And there was something immediately broken, and there had to be some cure to fix it. So I was so focused on finding some treatment or some pill or something that was going to fix me that I started to relinquish my own control and what I actually could do myself in my situation. And it didn't get to the situation got really bad. Out in New York, I was at a residential program that was later shut down by the Board of Mental Health, found myself standing on a bridge. Over railroad track. And I was basically at a point where I was like, okay, Alex, like you're either gonna jump and, and end your life, or you gotta do something so dramatic, so different that's gonna change the trajectory moving forward. And when that happened that night, I literally had a bike. I rode my bike uh, over, over 10 hours throughout the night to get to this hospital called Four Winds, which was a little more holistic and, and a lot better place. Um, especially when it comes to treatment-wise. And from that moving forward, I realized, and I really focused, I was like, look, Alex, like, there, there might be a treatment out there, there might be medication, there might be something, but you don't know if it exists. You don't know when you'll find it. So you, what you need to do, you need to continue your life regardless of the challenges you're facing, and you need to take control. And that's when I started to develop these seven pillars that put me in the driver's seat of the mental illness that I was facing and the these seven pillars are broken down into fitness, nutrition, sleep, community, communication, mindset and purpose.
2: I love that. And it's very similar to my big 5 that I talk a lot about. So very cool. And I can only imagine. I mean that that was a really defining moment that you talked about that you were up on that bridge and it was one of two options was gonna happen and you chose the latter and you went and you rode a long way to get to that hospital and you got the help that you needed. And so these pillars that you have developed and thought through, are these some of the things that you have applied in your own life and and you see a lot of positive results?
3: Yes, I would say a hundred percent. When I look at these pillars, I look at them in a very raw basic element. I feel that there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people, a lot of different concepts. And the pillars that I mention, I strongly feel after everything I've learned, there's a lot of good research and evidence that they support um, good mental health. And, and not just that, they bridge the gap between mental health and peak performance. But it's looking at them, when I call it like looking at them at their base, and that's seeing them and kind of mastering them on a basic level, regardless if your situation, regardless if you're having a good day or there's stress or someone's sick or there's a bit of death in the family. It's knowing how to tackle all seven pillars, regardless what's happening in your environment and your current situation in life.
2: Nice. Yeah. And I think that's the key is knowing the direction and trying to take one step at a time. And then that's where really what it requires in to know what you need to do, but then to realize that I just need to take one step. And I talk to my clients all the time, even if it's just a 1%, if you did 1% more today than he did yesterday, that's success. That's progress. And so I think that's that's kind of what you're talking about is look at these pillars and work on them, but Don't expect yourself to be perfect uh, with them. You're not going to go all out. You're not going to run a marathon just by getting up off the couch and going run a marathon. Most people are not Forrest Gump, (laughs) and they don't don't get up and run. But it takes it's one step and it's determination and it's working through the times where you want to give up. So this is not an easy task what you're proposing, but it's an effective task. It's very effective for maintaining. And in prevention with mental health. So that's fantastic.
3: And there, there's two things I want to share with what you just brought up. One thing is, is I love the 1% concept. And, and I believe there's in the book Atomic Habits, they, they mentioned that if you're 1% better each day by the end of the year, I think you're around 38X the person you started off as. So it's, it's, a, very, you know, it's a very big gain just to improve one, 1% a day. On top of that, something else I wanted to mention, just to kind of really emphasize how the basics. At Parker,
0: our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window
4: instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: Time is measured in moments, not minutes, like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
3: Fundamentals, you know, can really not just our skills to really, again, they, they help you get through those challenging days and they help you really build a strong base but they can also take you, and this is what I talk a lot about it, is that mental health and peak performance, but they can eventually, those skills can be used to build and build and get you to your goals that you want to thrive towards after pulling yourself out of a hole. And one example of mastering the basics that i like to mention is there's a, there was a wrestler named Gable, Olympic wrestler, and he had multiple gold medals. And what made him so good uh, in the Olympics was that he knew only a few moves, but he knew how to hit those moves in every situation possible. So it, w- it was like three moves he did. And he only did those three moves, but he could do it in every situation, and that allowed him to win multiple gold medals. And that's like life. That's like sleep, for example. It's like, mm-hmm. like a good sleep schedule. It's knowing how to, you know, adjust your sleep. Like, again, if there's stress, if there's things with work, if there's things with the family, it's how to adjust your nutrition, how to adjust your exercise. Because a lot of people, they know how to do things when things are going well, but when they're not going well, people fall into an all or nothing mentality.
2: Well, and that's exactly right. And it's really easy to slip into that and kind of say, well, I can't keep doing this. Come up with all the excuses. And some of them are pretty legitimate in that those are obstacles that get in the way. So it makes a lot of sense. And speaking of obstacles, we're just we're talking about mental health and healthcare. And I know from in my profession, it's hard for a lot of people to get the access and getting quality mental health. And and there's there are some things that are that are not good in our mental health system that I know can be improved. And you've experienced it yourself. You've gone. You've kind of went through the system. And what would you say? What are some things from your perspective, because you have gone through through it, what are some things that you have seen that maybe needs uh, to be improved or what are some things that you would like, that if you could wave a magic wand, if you will, what are some things that, that you would like to, to see fixed in the mental health system?
3: Yes. I mean, this is a very big passion of mine. I mean, one of the things is through all the experiences I went through, I'm very very determined to help improve the mental health system and destigmatize mental illness. When I mentioned one of the pillars, community, who you surround yourself with, is extremely important to improving mental health. I think, it, I, I think they all have a strong importance, but I think that's a very, very important piece. And in the mental health system, it, it's a tricky line because when you go into like a hospital, and, and you hospitals are made for emergencies that you're, they're there because you're, there's a, you're in danger of hurting yourself or someone else. But you know if, if you're going, let's say you're in a hospital setting for a very long period of time, or you're in a residential setting or certain settings for a long period of time, when you're around certain people that are also struggling, there's a point of being able to relate, being able to relax, understand what's going on, and, and there's a healthy point to that. But I also feel that being around other people that have developed healthy habits that are succeeding at goals that you want to succeed at, that have habits that you want, being around those people really can inspire somebody to, well, one, inspire someone to kind of move forward in life and really help teach them and motivate them to develop the right habits. So keeping a lot of people who are battling and having these struggles all together, there's positives to a point. But like I said, I think being around other people that can also motivate you and you can see what good habits are, I think, is, is extremely important in the process when you get further down that path. And that's something that, that is lacking, I feel, within the system itself.
2: Well, I think you're right, and community is so, so important, and what better place to learn healthy habits and figuring out and watching and listening to be around other people who are working on them and having more healthy choices. And uh, the opposite can happen too, and I think that's one of the things that you're mentioning. If you're around people who are struggling and maybe a little bit more negative, Your environment, sometimes you can become a product of your environment, and that can really weigh you down and make things worse. It can have a counter effect with your depression and anxiety. So I agree. Yeah, community is really important, and we need to promote that more. You Mm -hmm. mentioned destigmatizing. That is something that I think is getting Mm -hmm. a little better as the years go on, but it's still a major deal. That stigma of saying that you have depression, or have anxiety, or maybe you've been in the hospital or been to a residential treatment center. Sometimes it's hard to to say that because you don't know what other people are going to think, and maybe they'll judge you. And so there's a lot that we can do to help break that stigma. And Alex, you're doing that. Mate, you're working on that, and you're doing some really amazing things. And you're looking at your past and your struggles currently And you're not letting those hold you down. In fact, you're using those as a way of highlighting the fact and and the importance of working on our mental health. And everybody should be working on their mental health. You don't have to be in deep depression or have lots of anxiety. There are things that you can do every single day to improve your mental health. And that's something that we need to talk more about. And, And so... Alex, I, I want to. I'm really curious about some of the things that you are doing to promote okay. mental health in in awareness.
3: Yeah, you know, wh- one thing you mentioned that is something I'm actually really focused on is this gap between, like, we we're talking about mental health and peak performance, and also bridging the gap between preventative mental health. What I learned. When I was going through a lot of these residential programs, and, and we dove a lot into CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, I learned a lot of skills, a lot of different types of ways and skill, a lot of type of ways to help uh, mitigate certain emotions or behaviors that was developed. But what I also learned coming out of it is I actually started applying a lot of the DBT skills with my professional athletes, by the way, and because they're in a really stressful situations and actually had some really phenomenal results. So the part that's really interesting to me is these skills that people are taught when they're in a really stressful situation, when the cognitively memory might not be its best and you're asked to learn new skills, these same skills can also be used to help accelerate us to become a peak performer. So my question is why not learn them before you actually might need them in a scenario where you are battling with depression or anxiety, because they can really help benefit you regardless. That's something that's a big topic that I like talking about.
2: Yeah, I like that. And what would be a good example of that? If, if you can just think of uh, a quick example.
3: With how I would
2: s- say, so Yeah, something like that. yeah. Someone who's, let's say they're struggling with depression and how they can kind of use the same principles that you teach in peak human performance.
3: Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. When you're struggling, sometimes you're, for me, I'll talk about myself. When I've had depression and I have moments of bouts of depression, it can really struggle um, or it can really affect my relationships. And to kind of bridge the world between peak performance and let's talk about kind of depression, I've learned that becoming first more aware of my emotional state. And so if I find it between a zero and 10, if I find it between like a seven and 10, I call it it units of distress. If if it's between a seven and 10, that's a place where my logic starts to drop. So I need to kind of step back, use some skills, either meditation, breathing techniques, go for a walk till I get into a better mindset where I can make better decisions. Now, those same skills that I use when I'm in an emotionally distressed state with depression or anxiety, I teach those same skills to CEOs and executives before going into a board meeting. If your emotional state, whether it's you're happy, and and that's a seven to a 10, or you're anxious, you're stressed out, it's going to affect your judgment. And it's first becoming aware of your emotions. And it's second is how do you get into that driver's seat and get to a place where you can make better decisions?
2: Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's excellent. And these are principles that from a CEO to a high performing athlete or to someone who is struggling with daily depression. Those are the same principles. And I I love it. Nice. Excellent. Well, our time is running out here, Alex. And I just want to actually just thank you for coming on and taking time. And and you are very busy in what you're doing. And I appreciate what you're doing. And just being vulnerable and open. Because I think that's really what's going to help to destigmatize mental health, is that we can be honest with our struggles and not be ashamed of it and and to be able to talk about it and to share and then to help others and, and encourage them along the way and that's what you're doing you're encouraging so many people and uh, even those who are listening to this episode right now uh, you're encouraging them because uh, they might be going through something similar or maybe they know somebody a loved one that's gone through something similar and they're listening to you and you are you don't have you're not perfect you don't have it all together But you are working on your mental health. It's a daily thing, and you're being intentional about it. So thank you for what you do and for coming on and sharing your expertise with my audience. My pleasure. So before I let you go, there is one thing that I like to ask all of my guests when they come on, and it's about self-care. And I talk a lot about self-care. And I like getting different input from different people that come on. And so I want to pass it on to you. What are some, a few things that you do for your self-care?
3: I have three answers to this question. <laughs> I'll start off with one thing that I'm a huge believer in, and that is making my bed every morning. Hmm. And the reason I am a huge fan of making my bed, because it starts your day with an accomplishment. It starts your day with the with a right note. And it also, having a clean, organized environment can lead to a more organized mindset. So that's one. Two, I would say is gratitude, daily gratitude. And I have most days of the week, I'll say, I'm not perfect at this, but I do a gratitude journal. And with that journal, I focus on three very specific events that happened to me that day. And I write it down with names, dates, times in my gratitude journal And it allows me, the more I write about these events, when I hit more challenging times, I have this whole library, this whole toolkit of things that I'm grateful for. So I can really bounce back a lot quicker and be a lot more durable in life. And then three, I would say is fitness for self-care has been a lifesaver for me, regardless how my day goes. If I even just get a few pushups in, it's again, it's another little thing to be like, look, you you did something good for your health. It's an accomplishment and another step forward, moving in the right direction.
2: Oh, I love that. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you for that. Well, if, if someone who is listening to this and they're really interested in wanting to reach out to you or follow you, well, where's the best place for them to do that?
3: Sure. So with the mental health world, LinkedIn, I actually follow me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of great content there. It's just my name, Alex Wish, W-I-S-C-H. And if you're also into fitness, I know we didn't talk, talk, talk a lot about this, but I do these fitness feats to bring awareness for mental health. And I touch upon those on my Instagram, which is wish, dot fit F-I-T.
2: Nice. And I know we. you were talking to me earlier about something that you are really working on right now. You're trying to raise awareness and raise some funding. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Sure. I'll jump into this really quickly. Each year, I do a fitness feat to bring awareness for mental health. The feat itself, it's less about really accomplishing the feat. And it's more about inspiring people, the journey, and just getting my message out to a larger audience. This year, I am attempting a world record to rock climb the most vertical feet in 24 hours. That's being done out here in Somerville, Massachusetts, just next to Boston. And it will be broadcast live actually on Spartan. I team up with Spartan with this. (laughs) I love it. Um, So we'll have a 24-hour live. We'll have a lot of great influencers coming on as commentators. It's gonna be January 13th, the 14th. And It's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, I've been training I I've, I've been doing more salt bike in my well, in my entire life and today I just literally was on the rock climbing wall for 2 hours without stepping foot on the ground. So, wow. It's uh it's it's a balancing act, but I it's something I'm passionate of for and hopefully it will help spread the word. That's fantastic.
2: Well, and I will put everything on the show notes. So, if you're listening to this, you can go to mentalhealthtodayshow.com. And you can find this episode and look for Alex Wish, and you can follow him on LinkedIn and learn more about his attempt to break a world record of, did you say the tallest climb or the longest climb?
3: So it's rock climbing the most vertical feet in 24 hours. So basically I'm climbing a 50 foot rock climbing wall in an indoor gym, and I'm doing over 600 repeats in a 24 hour period of time. Wow. Wow.
2: That's amazing. <laughs> very cool. That, and that's really cool that Spartan is featuring that as well. That That's an intense race, I know. I, I've never been it, into it myself, but I know people that have. Very amazing with that. Well, Alex, I'm going to let you go. I uh, Thank you so much for coming on again. And good luck with that rock climb. That's very exciting. And I hope you get a lot of people following you on that and raising great awareness of mental health and I want to thank all of you who are listening to this episode as well appreciate you continue to work on your mental health and as always I want you to remember that the Mental Health Today show has been championing your mental health since 2015 take care my friends bye bye